Brothers and sisters, the imagery in the readings and in the gospel turns more and more apocalyptic as we approach the end of the liturgical year. We hear stories of destruction that will come at the end of the world. Our first reading warns us that the day is coming when the evildoers will be set on fire and become stubble. And in the gospel, we hear Jesus speak of insurrections, famines, and earthquakes, all of these things that will accompany the end of time. As we think about the hysteria that seems to be surrounding the election of President-elect Trump, many of us may feel that we're nearing the end times. It's clear that our nation is divided, and that division seems to be leading to insurrections. The election cycle saw awful rhetoric. It saw racism, sexism, and violence. And then sadly, the post-election period doesn't seem to be any better as we've seen riots and calls for violence and even calls to assassinate the president-elect. Now, our first response to this state of affairs may be to scapegoat those that we view to be on the other side, or perhaps even to scapegoat both sides for creating this state of affairs. But rather than scapegoating, I think that we'd be better served if we turn to the gospel In our passage today, Jesus says that when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. Given the state of affairs in our nation, I think we're beginning to realize how difficult these words of Jesus actually are. Because after seeing so many people act in so many horrendous and irrational ways, how can we help but be terrified? Friends, Let me suggest that the reason that we need not be terrified is presented at the beginning of the gospel passage that we just read. Jesus looks to the temple in all of its glory. It's adorned with costly stones and with votive decorations. He looks around and he tells the people, all that you see here, The days will come when there won't be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. In other words, Jesus is telling the people that nothing on earth, not even the temple, will last forever. And as such, our hope cannot be in these things. Now, to be clear, in Jesus' day, the words that Jesus spoke would have been blasphemy. Because in Jesus' time, the temple wasn't simply a building. It was the center of Jewish life. It was necessary for the practice of the Jewish faith. The destruction of the temple would mean an effective end to Judaism. By way of analogy for us Catholics, it would be as if every priest and bishop were to suddenly drop dead, leaving us with no way to celebrate the Eucharist. So when Jesus says that the temple will be destroyed, don't think of this merely in terms of the destruction of a building. Jesus is stating that the whole way of life for the Jewish people is about to come to an end. So if we think that the deep hostile divisions that have been affecting our nations is terrifying, this is nothing compared to what Jesus was invoking in the people when he claimed that the temple would be destroyed. 
He, after all, was proclaiming an effective end to the Jewish way of life, a way of life that was established by God himself. And yet, he says, when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. Friends, the reason that we need not be terrified is illuminated in the first reading that we heard from the book of the prophet Malachi. In that first reading, the prophet Malachi foretells that the day is coming when the evildoers will be set in the fire, and of their evil ways, not even root or branch will remain. Instead, there will arise the sun of justice with its healing rays. The reason that we do not need to be terrified is because our trust is not placed in buildings such as the Jewish temple. It isn't placed in the Republican or the Democratic Party. It isn't placed in the Constitution. It's not even placed in the American people. Rather, our trust is in our relationship with God. This truth is deeply ingrained in us. It's ingrained in us not because our money bears the imprint in God we trust, but because our hearts are inscribed with those very words. And this trust that we have in the Lord is powerful enough to overcome any fear. For although the Lord tells us that we will have to face persecution and, yes, even death, he also assures us that not a hair on our head will be destroyed, and that through our perseverance, we will secure our lives. In other words, despite the insurrections that we see, despite nation rising against nation, despite earthquakes and famines and plagues, despite violence and division, our faith must not be shaken. We must persevere with our trust in God and in God alone. Even in difficult and seemingly impossible situations, we must persevere so that our lives can be preserved. Our second reading today gives us a sense of what it means to persevere. It's taken from St. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. In it, Paul specifically mentions that he and his followers did not act in in a disorderly way. Rather, he said they worked so as to present themselves as a model. And we too need to follow that example. As Christians, we are called not to act in disorderly ways, but rather to model God's love. And in doing so, we give testimony to the fact that what we are about is much greater than the earthly things that so often divide us. When Christ observed the ornate beauty of the temple, and then predicted its destruction, he wasn't promoting a violent end to people with whom he disagreed. Rather, he was informing the people that the sacrificial life of the temple was not the true place of proper worship. True worship, after all, is not about cultic sacrifice, but rather a different type of sacrifice, a sacrifice of love. In other words, it's about forming a relationship with God and giving our lives completely to Him. Giving ourselves completely to God means that we adopt His ways. This means that we don't give in to the temptation to view others as nasty women 
as dogs or as baskets of deplorables or any other of the dehumanizing rhetoric that we've grown so accustomed to hearing in the news. Rather, we act in orderly ways by recognizing that every person is made in the image and likeness of God. And therefore, every person is an icon of God. Giving ourselves to God does not mean that we engage in the violence that we've seen on display. Rather, it requires that we enter into union with God through the sacrifice of the Eucharist, a sacrifice that is neither bloody nor violent, but one of total self-gift. And it brings us into union with God, and through that union with God, brings us into union with one another. After we participate in that sacrifice, we must remember that our primary purpose is not to leave here and promote some political agenda, nor is it to leave here and to prevent a political agenda that we find threatening from occurring. No. After we enter into union with God through the sacrament of the Eucharist, our mission is to make disciples of all nations. Our mission is to bring an end to division, not through violence, but by revealing God to others through our gift of self-sacrifice. Friends, it's incumbent upon us to move beyond the fear that can so easily paralyze us and to move beyond the politics that can so often divide us. Rather, we need to be the ones who focus our attention on God, God who unites us. For when we focus on God and enter into a relationship with Him and give our lives completely to Him, we become models for the whole world. And if we can become the models that St. Paul urges us to become, not only do we save our lives, but we may help to save the lives of those around us as well. Brothers and sisters, peace to you and to all who focus on their relationship with God.